Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Mirror Game Walkthrough. This week is a fantastic, fantastic episode. We've got some really killer topics for everyone today. We'll be talking Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It's out this week, I know, already. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Uh, Phil Spencer has also been saying a lot of stuff, so we'll be going through that as well. And we'll also be going through EA Sports FC remaining an annual title after their high-profile divorce from FIFA. We've got a bunch to go through. We've got some really cool topics um, I'm really glad everyone's here. Uh, I will start the trailer. There we go. Everyone thinks he or she is the best football expert on the planet. I'm just playing for pride now. And my pride's gone. We're very passionate people here. Well, We're ready to come for the W, yeah? You, these girls will smoke you, man. Yeah. Hello and welcome to this week's Mirror Game Walkthrough. As I said before, we've got some great topics. And joining me to discuss everything this week, I'm delighted to say, is Aaron and Shabana. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Are we all right? Yeah, yeah. Right, thanks. All good. Can't complain. Busy, busy, good. but it's all exciting times. It, it is very exciting. Very exciting, guys. Um, first thing to talk to you both about this week is obviously Zelda Tears of the Kingdom comes out this week, Friday, May 12th. Um, before we go into any of the, the different bits or anything, um, just wanted to talk to you generally about how much of a pleasure it is to be involved in the gaming industry when such an iconic title like a Zelda game gets released. Um, just talk to you about talk to you about how that makes you feel, and also like the releases you've been involved in in other times where you feel like, oh, this is like this is a big deal. Like I'm glad that I'm doing this sort of thing. Well, I, I feel like Shabana, you've not to you know. Uh, suggest anything but you've been in this game longer than I have so uh are there anything uh, <laughs> anything that comes to mind in terms of yeah that major games um, coming out well I always uh have, have well my bread and butter was news and guides so it was actually a very stressful experience because you have to just rag through everything and get all the guides done so for me it's uh it's stress <laughs> even the review as well like especially if you're reviewing a game that you like um you can't play it as you normally would in your downtime. So um, while it's a very fun industry to be in, um, it can suck the fun out of games that you like. I'm so sorry to spill the beans <laughs> to everybody. The inside, um, but... on the inside. <laughs> but yeah, the I'm just, I, yeah, yeah, I'm just glad I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't want to review Zelda because I want to play it and I'm going to just be in all the nooks and crannies, taking my time. I love to play games that way. So for me personally, I'm not someone that races through games. So when it comes down to review time, I just, yeah, I'm just like, please don't let me do one that I like, um, generally speaking. But yeah, it's always quite busy. And I guess I'm just jaded from years of the industry. How about you, Aaron? <laughs> Are you still bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about it? Um, I'd like to hope I certainly give that impression but uh it's funny because I'm, I'm always having to tell like friends of mine all the time or whatever like cause obviously they know what i do and obviously we're kept under strict embargo about when and where when and where we can talk about things but um you know 
they know when a game's coming out. They know the likelihood that I'm going to cover it. And uh, there's been a few times where, you know, maybe they've wanted like cheeky impressions, things like that. But I've been a good boy and I've never uh, given the game away. Um, but yeah, to basically drive with what Shabana was saying, it's an exciting time. It's a busy time to be involved with like big games like this. And I don't think, but on the on the positive side, because obviously it is work for us and we don't get to experience games as, uh, you know, av- average players and stuff. It, it is kind of... it becomes a job but we choose to do that um but having said that there's something very special and i still get a sort of like i don't know feeling in my chest or butterflies in my stomach knowing that i'm one of a a very few amount of people in the entire world getting to play a game uh for the very first time and i know we had resident evil 4 um release earlier this year and our news writer freelance news writer scott uh was on that he's popped up in the chat talking about goku as he's wont to do but um <laughs> I, like it was great for me playing that uh just totally slightly ahead of time but without having to be on review duty specifically because resident evil village is probably up there as being one of the few games um that i was really excited to talk about ahead of release because capcom had only shown so much of that game leading up to release and obviously as we know now there's stuff that exists far beyond the castle dimitrescu section which is primarily what the marketing focuses on so um you know whenever a game can hold its cards close to its chest and then sort of surprise people on release day when you're reviewing or playing the game ahead of time it's very like you know you've got to keep yourself quiet but you're internally excited at the same time but yeah what about what about you nathan uh, I mean, just being like in this industry when a game like this like releases, it feel feel special. But I, I completely get what you're talking about in terms of like reviewing a game because uh, I mean, my bread and butter with the FIFA series for for a long while, the F1 games, and you you are very aware that you are like you said, like a, a spe- playing a special part in these games because you want are one of the first people to play it. But also, you're not you're not playing it as a fan, you're playing it to critique it almost and you're sort of looking for things that are wrong, which is very, it's a very different experience to if you just picked it up at, you know, a shop or something. So it is a bit different, but um, I feel like there is a sort of, um, the weight comes off your shoulders as well when all the reviews are out and everything and the, the, it settles down. You can kind of go back into it and be like, oh, yeah, I can kind of enjoy it again. So uh, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's just a pleasure I, to And be, you can yeah. see, not to interrupt, but you can see other people like either, yeah. you know, give off different opinions you don't know how yeah. it's going obviously reviews are subjective and stuff but yeah it, it is quite nice you know the burden's off my shoulders now as you say yeah. and it's almost like even though you've had nothing to do with the making of the game yourself it's kind of like it's yours to enjoy now like go and make the yeah. most of it because like, yeah. yeah. i don't have to worry yeah. about it anymore yeah. <laughs> and it's really fun to go and look at uh, you know some of our competitors and we call them competitors but everyone in the game industry is sort of close-knit and we're all bit one big community but it is really interesting to be like oh they gave that or that and all oh, they they did all oh, that oh. so it's quite that is quite fun as well to to go and talk about uh, and review other people's reviews and have a look at what other people thought as well uh, of what because like I said it's all subjective there, and I just like because I've got friends that write review movies and stuff but I feel like with games sometimes what people tend to forget is that games are just so uh, such a different beast compared to movie in, yes. in the sense that you know a movie is going to be generally no longer than like three hours you know how much time you're going to have to assess and critique it whereas games can almost sometimes feel like these this wild untangible thing that you're trying yeah. to wrestle with and you want to get a good good sense of it and uh yeah it's like a di- it's a different challenge and also with movies i think you guys would notice this but as well as the additional the the main review they also they've also started doing this social media reaction thing which i can't ever see the game industry like adopting but i, I guess that's kind of like the role that previews fill but i i feel a little bit strange like trying to hold back my thoughts uh 
like two weeks before the actual embargo lifts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Scott is in the chat. I just want to say as well, thank you to everyone who's watching so far. We've got some really great topics to go through today, which we will go through. But thank you so much for everyone for watching on YouTube and Facebook as well. I've already got some comments uh, from our friend Scott, who we've already spoke about. Uh, JD Incinerate is in the chat as well. So we've got Scott. He says, my first big one was Sonic Frontiers, which was 10 times more stressful than reviewing something smaller. Yeah. Um, we also, JD as well, I'll be honest, I do hope people love Tears of the Kingdom like they did with Breath of the Wild. Well, we'll have to see. Uh, Scott says, a movie isn't going to be buggy. You say that, Scott, but I've heard stories of people reviewing movies where the CGI is not finished. Are you talking about cats again? Like that whole thing? Like when the movie? I'm cats not going to mention. Out. I'm not going to mention what movie it is, just because I don't want to get in that in that hole. But I have heard stories of TV shows as well where the CGI is not quite finished, and yeah. having to review that. Uh, obviously, it's a different thing to a game, but um, that could be quite quite challenging um, in some scenarios. But yeah, it's all we all love it, don't we? We all love being involved in it and stuff. And um, yeah, I just let's... feel bad that Scott got stuck with Sonic Frontiers review duties, to be honest, because I wouldn't wish that on my own Spicy, spicy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got obviously coming up to the, the Breath of the Wild sequel. Uh, Tears Kingdom releases this week on the 12th of May. Um, it's an incredibly busy year for game releases. Actually, you know, before we get involved in the serious side of things, uh, we've seen a lot of marketing in recent days for yes. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, there is a particularly fascinating one from Nintendo Australia. Um, did I just put on an Australian accent then? I didn't mean you to. Did. I was just a natural Slipped thing. I do apologise if we've got any I thought, Australian. I thought it watching. was Nintendo UK because like, I was like, how else can they justify this colour palette? He's British, yeah, obviously. Literally. But I didn't realise it was in Australia. Yeah. I believe it's Nintendo Australia. I found it on their YouTube. Um, Go if on. anyone hasn't seen it yet, you're in for a treat. It is... Um, <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? We don't, we don't want to like oversell it. Unique. But... Yeah, okay. let's just, yeah, let's just let's, show it. Let, let's show it. So we'll share the... Run the clip. Um, <laughs> yeah, please let me know if you can hear that. Um, yeah, it's all good, I think. So yeah, we've got a guy on a, on a bus. Um, you know, your Reality average... commuting, absolutely Nine depressed. to five, you know. Oh, he looks like a stressed out guy though, doesn't he? He's very he's, stressed. He's looking out the window and looking yeah. at life. Life this is, is passing the... him by. This, this is, is how the perfect I feel way on the to bus. sell a game. <laughs> <laughs> comes home to he lives in a house. nice house though it's quite large I mean? yeah yeah look at that in fact they always live in nice houses yeah his wife goes it. straight to bed he gets a tap he gets a glass of tap water to wind <laughs> mm, down delicious <laughs> sticks tears the kingdom on oh oh look at him bright he's brightened it up isn't he look, look at that, that. But nothing else is everything else is gray what is this that i expected like the room to just get all yellow and golden when he was playing oh, yeah. this. just abysmal yeah <laughs> what i want to know the backstory to this guy do you know what i mean yeah like, yeah it's a very personal story yeah. um why did he build a raft with one, one absolute idiot <laughs> <laughs> i mean i know he's having a, a stressful day at work whatever, there's no excuse for that yeah, uh, there we go. He's done it. He's done it. Oh, Amazing. Yes. I think he oh. looks a bit too proud of that. That was common sense. Like he's, yeah. to bring it down a notch, it wasn't also, that special. Also, he's lucky that on that bus, it's not swarmed with Nintendo fans at the moment. <laughs> <so he's laughs> what he was playing. Also, is he, he's got no headphones in, so he's like a yob, oh, like blasting music out. Oh. I hate that. Um, like no one's like you know paying too much attention. But I feel like if I was a bus and someone was playing a game on full volume on their Switch, I'd be like, mate. <laughs> If you were a bus. And look at that. <laughs> look at that. The sky oh. suddenly suddenly blue and clear and he's look full of hope. 
He was in the clouds in the game, and now he's oh, by the clouds in real life. Oh, that is wow. sensational. Um, what do we all think about that? I think that? he's a bit of a selfish bugger, shall we say. Is that that's allowed? <laughs> um, that's fine. He sat on his hope. That's obviously the main TV. Like, where's your wife? Have you just taken over the entire living room? It's portable. Yeah. Play it handheld. My thoughts. I just, I don't know, like, what in what world is this, like, meant to be, like, a positive? Well, obviously, the whole thinking with this advert is, if you're having a rough day, come home, you play Switch, and it makes everything better. But it's yes. so dark and dour, and what yeah. is going on? Like, it's the complete opposite of what I imagine the game's going to be like. Do you know what I mean? It's an antithesis. It's kind of like, yes, there you go. It's, you know, that meme smashing. Why am I always smashing my things? Shabana's so mad, she's destroying her apartment <laughs> at this advert. Come on. It's, you know, that meme where the guy's on the bus and there's like one on the side by the dreary rock and the one in the sunshine. It's like yes. that advert, but no one's migrated over to the sunny side. It's just, it's just very odd. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I'm getting home and I've got, oh, glass tap water and I'm miserable and my wife's gone upstairs and I'm just sat here alone. It's, it was odd. Tonally. Yeah. We thought the we were getting thing... the last trailer a month ago, didn't we, Nathan? And we reacted to it, but little did we know. Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing I do after a hard day's work is um, go and you know pour myself a nice glass of tap water um, <laughs> just to wind down. Um, Don't get changed yeah. out of that suit. Just sit there still. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, Aaron, obviously you talk about the premise of it. This is supposed to be the sort of... Um, you know, the Nintendo Switch is here to help you through the kind of rough parts of your day and like to have a kind of escape and everything. And that's quite, but it's just the sort of, is there something about Australia maybe that, because this is only Nintendo Australia for, for now, from what I can see, it's on the Nintendo Australia YouTube. I don't know. Has anybody checked the plug outlets? Do we know, like, is this region specific? Like, uh, yeah. I can't see any plugs there. Um mm. But the window, he the blinds. British, when he's like, yes, or whatever it was that he's. Oh, is that the himself. one line he has? Yes. Yeah. Oh, this one. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh sorry, on, sorry. Hang on. Okay. Enhance. <laughs> nope. Oh yeah, he does sound British. He sounds. Uh, he does sound British. Upper class, dare I say? I don't know what his um political party of choice is, but we could guess. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so whoa, whoa, whoa. And he goes back again. He does sound British, actually. See. Oh no, that was the like, Let me try this. American. No, no, no. Re rewind it. Rewind okay, it. No, no. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hang on, I'm going to turn it up if anyone like. Okay, yeah. To... Oh, because it... we need to enhance. This. <laughs> I'm going to go back oh, to that. Hang on. Oh, come on. Oh, oh, oh. Come on, use your brain. I feel like the way he says, try this. That's like a Voldemort style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter was dead. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine him saying that. I'm sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a time to be alive. Um, wow. If that doesn't make someone you really... launch your Yeah. I was just going to say, I saw someone absolutely loving that advert. And they were like, um, you know, oh, it's like Nintendo always speaks to me and like gets me in the feels. And I was just like, what? Like, I've been miserable on a bus as well. And that's not going to change. Like, that's not anything special. I just thought that advert was crazy. 
Yeah, we've got. Some, it didn't sell me on the end. Go on. Sorry. No, we've got some comments. Um, did a weapon like just it. break in that ad? Uh, JD said. <laughs> I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking at what was happening in the game. I was just looking at the overall. Like, a, guy's, absolute... a, a guy's heart was broken, and then it was yeah. reformed when he picked up a switch from that ad. That's that's what we know. Yeah. Uh, we've also got uh, Scott as well. Emotional. I don't know if that's uh, sort of taking the mick a bit. Uh, probably. Um, and then he also says, takes you back to the Switch reveal video of people playing on their perfectly normal roof parties. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's marketing for you, though, isn't it? That's trailers. You know, we. I would just love love to be in that marketing meeting. You know, we need to. You know, we need to sell this game, guys. Let's let's go for you know, let's go for this particular demographic demographic of person. I feel like that's probably the smallest demographic you're going to get, but I don't know. On a, um, on a sort of smallest, everybody like who used to play Nintendo games back in the day is an adult man now slash woman. So they're the probably, people with the money, yeah. and it's all that nostalgia. Like they're the ones who are still buying stuff, right? They're the original, the OGs, if you will. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, but so but in a way, like I like. I, it's like Nintendo are acknowledging that. Yeah, you live a, a rubbish life. I was going to use another word then. So, but Zelda's here to make it all better. Like yeah, in his giant yeah. house. Why doesn't he also yeah. with a house that size? Why is he swanning around on a bus? Like yeah, buses, that's true. If you've been on a bus, you know they're hell. <laughs> I hate if he, buses. If he was, it can't be set in like uh, well, it might be set in the UK, but it can't be set in London because he'd be on the underground otherwise, wouldn't yeah, he? That's true. Like, that and then he'd be brutal. having a really bad time. Like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. central <laughs> line. Oh, yeah. Imagine playing the mu- the gameplay music on the tr- on the tube. Of full, I mean, full on the Nintendo Switch. Nathan, it wasn't that long ago that me, you, and fellow uh, colleague Jasmine Manan were playing Monopoly on the Switch on the train. That's and true. And I feel like we were like courteous enough to turn the volume down for the entire trip, even though I think I did end up annoying the man who was sat next to me. But you know, he chose to sit there. Um, it's the risky <laughs> run. That's true. That's true. There is certain etiquette, isn't there, on on public transport? Like if you if you're watching something, you should put some headphones in, really, or playing the game. But I feel like we were the right side of that mark, so it's all good. I don't know yeah, what it yeah. is about Nintendo and sort of analysing their trailers. Obviously, we did this with the Tears of the Kingdom gameplay trailer, and now we've analysed this one um, in in great detail. But uh, let's just move on to our next kind of talking point for this. Obviously, it's been an incredibly busy year for game releases. Um, I was going to ask how much pressure it is on Nintendo to get this right, but it seems like Nintendo sort of always deliver with these titles. But do, do, do you still think there's that pressure on Nintendo at this stage, at this stage of the game? I don't think so. I think Nintendo knows what they're doing, um, and you know they've not pretended the game's anything else. Yes, it's very similar from first look to the original one, um, mm. but they put out games that are finished, like they say that whole like, "Oh, we put them out when they're finished and don't." not don't swear <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they just put them out when they're done and they don't have to you know have a day one patch or what have you so yeah i don't i think it's more going to be people working themselves up about it as they always tend to do but i think they've probably got it in the bag but i wouldn't know because i haven't played it yet that's not me being sly i honestly haven't played it and i'm waiting until the weekend i'm not reviewing it <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's really interesting um something oh. else is going sorry aaron go on Oh, no, I was just going to say on that point, like, I think Chibana's right in that Nintendo generally, they play in their own field. Like, they don't get enticed, like, to to fight down in the dogs with, like, PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah. And I feel like that's always been their strength. But um, I, I was saying this to you in a meeting earlier today uh, to the pair of you. Like, I feel like 2023 has subtly... Like I'm not, I'm not seeing like a lot of people like comment on this. It's been like I think one of the best years for AAA gaming uh, so far, and we're just about to hit the halfway point. 
because I feel like since the PS5 and Series X released, there's been a lot of like cross-gen games, sort of games that you know you don't really have to own these ne- these current-gen consoles for. Whereas this year alone, so far we've had Resident Evil 4, uh, Metroid Prime was obviously a Switch game remastered, Dead Space remake, and then I really love Star Wars Jedi Survivor, despite the issues it's having on PC and PS5. Yeah. But the the funny thing is that Nintendo don't have to worry about any of that because Zelda, Zelda. And even if it does look a little bit similar to Breath of the Wild, it's, uh, you know, it's going to basically, it's going to be like, who was, was it Moses who parted the Red Sea? It's just going to be like, get away, everybody, because it's, it's next time. Yeah. Yeah, particularly after Redfall, which we'll get onto in a later topic. Still sorry. talking about Redfall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, we will get onto that a bit later on. But I wanted to ask as well about um, Nintendo for years have been synonymous with trying to keep their games as secret as possible right up until release you don't hear anything they're very very stringent on leaks on cheats we've seen obviously the gary bowser situation that they've got a, a no you know <laughs> nothing they don't hold anything back right they, they make sure that everything gets protected very protective over their stuff i want to ask you about their recent ask the developer series which over the last few days i think every day in advance of the release of Tears of the Kingdom. They're kind of sprinkling information about the game, which feels very non-Nintendo-like to me. Um, they talk, they've talk. they done interviews with the devs saying that they've got deja vu because of how similar in style it was to Breath of the Wild when they were, like, developing the game and they were getting confused about, like, oh, hang on, am I in Breath of the Wild or am I in Tears of the Kingdom? So there's that sort of... These little tidbits of information. And then today, I won't spoil it for anyone, but today, I suppose it's on the Nintendo website, but they talk about um, how there's this certain thing in the game that people have been talking about that may not, may, it's in the game, so, but go and look it up if you don't want it to be spoiled. That you. Somebody on this podcast may or may not have been asking for for the longest time. That's all yeah, I'm go, You'll have to go back and watch our podcast to find out uh, what we're talking <laughs> about. But th- this feels very Nintendo. Do we like this? Do we like this openness? Or do we? Do does it feel a little bit weird for you that Nintendo think, are kind of... I think we have had it before with like Splatoon and stuff, right? I know they have their tree houses and stuff when they obviously discuss gameplay in some detail. But I think we had that with one of the Splatoon titles and like even ARMS, was it the, that one? Yeah, the fighting game, yeah um so when they would sit down and talk you through it i quite like the way nintendo does stuff like even with the treehouse when that was at e3 because you've got your big like i'm on a stage and here's my blazer and look at these games and then you've got nintendo sat around and they've got people from the the development side or whatever sitting around playing it walking you through um and you get a proper good look at the game um so i much prefer those anyway i feel like we've seen a bit of that in the past and i quite like this it's very close to release it's not the case of like i'm going to show you this crazy thing now oh it's two years later and there's nothing it's not that you know we have it we're so close to release now this is a perfect time to do this it's almost like a mini treehouse run up until the launch so i think they've timed it very well just with regards to the game's finished everything's perfect let's just have a little peek beforehand so i think it's great i've seen a bit of it before and i would love to see more of it going forward as well like with pikmin 4 and what have you um. yeah i'm gen I, uh, well there you go uh, you buy me you, you owe me a coke um i'm generally generally of the opinion that developers need to be more open uh because um as we were saying earlier with the movie world, it's kind of like, you know, casting gets announced months before principal shooting starts. We find out when shooting like ends and stuff like that. Whereas like a, a game launch is a bit like a Christmas present, I guess is, is the thing in, in that like, you're not totally sure like what, what, what you're going to get. 
you know, we just had the Redfall example, which we're going to bring up later. People thought they were getting one thing. It turned out to be another. So there are pros and cons to being to the gaming industry being so secretive. And I agree with Shabana for the most part. That is good to hear when it's specifically from the developers themselves, sort of like, you know, talk, talking the game in advance of it coming out. So people have uh, certain expectations and can set their expectations appropriately. Um, but with this particular Q&A series that they've been doing, Ask the Developers, it does seem very strange because, yeah, with ARMS, and I think the difference between Tears of the Kingdom and the whole Splatoon and ARMS example was those were totally new game concepts that we hadn't really seen from before. Like nobody knew how ARMS functioned prior to the release of the Nintendo Switch and Splatoon was very something very different for Nintendo back in the Wii U era as well. Tears of the Kingdom is a known quantity to a certain extent in that it's a sequel to a beloved game that... Today, we saw an outlet rank as one of the best, well, the best game uh, ever made. I've got some thoughts about that. But um, <laughs> um, I just think, why ruin something? Because I know, obviously, we all know what they mentioned. And to keep it a secret for six years since the release of the second one, uh, the first one, I beg your pardon, to, to mention it literally three or four days prior to the release of the game, I think it's a bit of a shame that they didn't let people discover that for themselves. Um because why, you know, what was stopping them from holding this series about four or five days after Nintendo uh, released the game? And we know that tomorrow Nintendo has a pre-launch live stream with the Treehouse guys, I believe. Yes. So, and now I'm kind of curious, like, oh, what's included in that stream, and what are they going to reveal? Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I know people. Obviously, it's a bit different for us in the industry, but close friends of mine, they're going on media blackout to the end point that they're not even going to read reviews tomorrow because they just know they're going to buy the game. Nintendo yeah. didn't have to do this, but. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of torn because I like hearing from a, a tightly lipped company as Nintendo as they usually are. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, you were so close, guys. And uh, <laughs> But I'm sure there's still going to be plenty of secrets in the game, having yeah. said that. Uh, it's really interesting that we make that, the comparison with, with movies and the fact that we get trailers. Obviously, we get game trailers, we get movie trailers. Movies are different in that you don't pre-order them. And they're also a lot more games are a lot more expensive than going to a cinema. Not, not, not much more actually, but they are more. Um, are games like the only medium where we have we have this sort of unwritten rule where we have to trust we have to trust developers and publishers months before a game comes out sometimes with very little information, and yet the game is still available to pre-order and they can still take your money without knowing too much about the game. Where, where's mm. the balance there? Do you think how much how much should people show you about a game you don't want it to be spoiled obviously before you buy it how much are you how much is the what's the limit for you in terms of what what you expect from to know about a game before you expected to to put money into it open question for the for the room i feel like Aaron, i just talked a I feel whole like, lot i feel like though. i feel like you look like you have thoughts though so you go first oh really no this is just my standard look i'm always deep in thought always pensive um, it's like the only thing when it comes to developers and like games sequels is a bit obviously difficult with originals but like star wars jedi survivor for example like fallen order the original game released in 2019 i liked it fine and that was a case of where i was so blown away by how much they had changed and like how vastly improved it was compared to the original that i was kind of glad that they didn't really dish out too many details um ahead of launch so because as i was saying earlier it lets you surprise for yourself um i think as long as they're being truthful and honest with what players can expect from a game there's obviously certain degrees within that like you can say a co-op shooter game has seamless drop in dropping uh co-op co that's like a fact right but how, in terms of how well that works then that's something for you to assess yourself so as long as 
the developers are being honest about their intentions with the game and what they hope to achieve and statistically what's actually set to appear in the game, uh, then that's fine. But and, and the problem usually comes from how early developers talk about these games. And obviously, as we've said, they're secretive for the most part. But when they do talk about games, it's usually early and it's usually in dribs and drabs, which doesn't make it easy for players who are potentially interested in the game in terms of weighing up whether or not it's for them. Um, but I do empathize with game developers because whereas with movie making, you point a camera, it shoots, and you can look at dailies and stuff so you know what you've got. Games are a little bit different in that things are always changing, pipelines are always changing, and mechanics might not work uh, as well as intended and things like that. So yeah, I do empathize. But um, as long as developers and studios and publishers, more importantly, are being truthful about their intentions and you're open and honest, you know, it's up to you whether you choose to believe that honesty, judging by their yeah. uh, past track record. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose I, I was only asking because of games like Cyberpunk, for example, which we got very limited gameplay, and then people bought it, and it was a mess. And then it was quite clearly this game was rushed out, but they needed to recoup money for investors, and that was the reason why it was why it was launched in that state, and then it's been fixed. So. I feel like the the trust has sort of eroded uh, with certain publishers anyway. But Shabana, how, how do you feel about games? And do you feel well, that there's that a point ex- where... Yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, I was going to say, in that example there, they built some good faith from the Witcher series, right? So yeah. Yeah. you can't even just trust that, oh, you know, they did some good stuff because ultimately it's a business. And I think the difference with movies is obviously it's not an interactive medium. Um, the, the trailers, I've got a problem with half the time because it shows, shows you the entire film and it's like, okay, well, I've just sat here through a 10-minute trailer. What is the point of me going to see this? Um, but game stuff, yeah, I think I think the problem, I think we can probably all agree, is that they show a lot of things too early and they never just deliver on the promises. So you kind of need to see proper gameplay. I mean, look at No Man's Sky. We saw a bunch of stuff there. We talked about that earlier. Um, early on and then when it came to pass it was just tripe um i think in this case with nintendo i think with the treehouse and stuff they do it well because you are seeing basically the finished product so if you want to skip a treehouse you're not gonna be exposed i mean obviously people be talking about it and you can't do anything about that unfortunately but i think they do time things to show it at the right time and you're getting a very accurate representation in these snippets of of you know, YouTube videos or what have you of what the actual game's going to be. And I think that they have built that trust up over time. Um, I mean, I can't personally think of the last Nintendo game I bought that didn't deliver or was, you know, full of bugs or what have you first party. I mean, that bloody Porsche game is just a nightmare. I will. Sure that <laughs> but um, I think that just is a switch itself. But yeah, I think they do it well. And I think a lot of people try to get the hype up to get the pre-orders and stuff in. And you're seeing a lot of stuff. They're just over-promising and under-delivering, um, you know, based on like concepts or whatever half the time. And even if you build up trust like CD Projekt, if you start, you know, getting... I don't know what happened in that situation, but let's just say the shareholders started shoving their nose in, then that will just destroy all of the stuff you've just built up because people want to meet these deadlines. And even with Redfall, that should have been delayed more than six weeks. Like, why was that rushed out? And everybody's irritated and annoyed. Um, So yeah, but I think Nintendo does it well. And I think... I think this close to launch, you don't have to go on a media blackout for years, right? It was announced a while ago. No one's had to avoid it forever. It's just in a few days beforehand. So you could just be like, okay, well, I'm not going to be on social media for a few days. So even then, you're not suffering that much with it. So I think they've handled it very well. And for people like, 
you know, like you say, we discussed some stuff about what will be in the game and what will not be. Some There might be some expectations there based on the last game or the Zelda series in general, and that stuff will be touched on. So I don't think it's too spoilery really at all. Um, it's just going to be confirming certain aspects of the game. So I personally think it's handled well and in a way that you can easily avoid and it's not so far out that then it's going to be spoiled for you. It's only a few days, right? So I think I like it. But generally speaking, I don't like it <laughs> if it's not Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. I think we can all agree that the openness is really important uh especially when it comes to publishers and developers because like you said you need to have that trust in in them um it's just a case of how much you trust them i suppose and how likely you are to give them their money uh, give them your money sorry um which can is i interesting yeah Aaron, go on. oh sorry nathan i just just off of shabana's point i think a lot of the issues like with the cyberpunk example and then redfall after it which i guess you would call like this year's redfall moment i think what people aren't what people are slowly both sides of the industry whether you be a consumer or developer are starting to realize is that triple a development is only getting harder like the tools are getting more advanced but the players expectations are getting higher and higher all the time like where i think i feel like similar to like tv shows at the moment we're, we're forever in this golden age of tv where there is no bad tv show whereas in the in you know the gaming world people's expect like no bad games like it's not enough to just be a seven out of ten anymore if you're a first party game as red four is clearly uh proven even though i know a couple of outlets gave red four a four out of ten so um that that's why four it's more 10. important than ever four out of ten i think i think GameSpot gave it four out of ten uh red four obviously our very own jasmine manan scored it a one out of five yeah. live on this podcast she was playing on pc um, though yeah, well, I was playing on Xbox, and I also would have struggled to give it like <laughs> two. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I've been putting it off for too long. Let's talk about Microsoft, Xbox, Phil Spencer. Like, it, <laughs> Phil Spencer said a lot in one interview. Too much. Slash last week. Yeah, it's far too much. Um, but before that, let's just. Can, I just want to hold my hands up and you know bow to Aaron, the uh, the prof- prophecy, the professor. Uh, <laughs> because he like said this, this would happen he said this would happen <laughs> true achievements are reporting that redfall is the second biggest xbox game launch of 2023 sitting only behind atomic heart uh for the week ending may 7th <clears throat> true achievements reports that redfall is the third biggest game on xbox systems in terms of playtime only behind fortnite and call of duty modern warfare 2 um so you said it aaron you said the reviews will come out and they're going to be bad and then a- xbox are going to come out and say look everyone's playing it uh, is exactly what has, has happened. So, did it, well done. Did for Xbox that. say this themselves then, did they? Or is this just sort of like. Yeah, where are your sources, source. Nathan? Come on, as, uh... as a journalist. But so I don't know if you can basically pat me on the back that extent, but it seems like that Redfall is the biggest launch on Xbox Game Pass. And the reason why, you know, I don't want to give myself too much credit is because we obviously knew that the game was coming in hot. We knew that it would review or was reviewing poorly. And everyone loves a car crash. And they've got nothing to lose by trying it out. So, yeah. like, this will be multiple people just checking it out for 10 minutes and then bouncing immediately. So, yeah, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Redfall is doing so well, quote-unquote. I don't know. Yeah. And like you said, it's on Game Pass, right? So people are going to try it out. It doesn't necessarily mean that they've been in the game for longer than 10 minutes. Um, that data is not, not available there. Yeah, um, Xbox isn't saying anything about how many copies of Redfall it sold, has it, in the last week? I noticed that. No, no, they haven't. doesn't report um, on software sales anymore, and I wonder why. No, absolutely. But just, oh, just, while, we've got yeah. some, oh, yeah. just while we've got some gameplay playing there, 
Um, the video that haunts my dreams. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so the first thing I want to talk to you about in terms of Phil Spencer, uh, head of Xbox, um, it's it, he said in an interview that he knew Redfall wouldn't run at 60 frames per second on consoles before it was released. So the quote is, in terms of lessons learned, I'll even go back to the Redfall videos on IGN. I've shown videos of the game running at 60 on PC at the point knowing that the game was going to run at 30 fps at launch on console we have to be transparent about what we're showing that what we're showing is representative of what our console customer our most committed customer to our brand financially committed what they're going to see what they play and that transparency just has to get better and i'm not pointing at anybody but myself um what why admit to that at this stage is that that seems like a pretty big thing to admit to the fact that you knew that it wasn't in a very good state before launch. Maybe it was too late at that stage, but what, what do we all make about, about that comment? I think he's trying to win back trust. And again, it, it's just like, what do they say? Closing the door after the horse has bolted or something. It's just like, it's a bit too late now. And I think, like I said before, I've always been critical of like this affable personality with his little dimples and his little blazer and gaming t-shirts. Hi, everyone. So I'm you just one be of like, you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, because what what is that? Like, yes, you've said it. You've been honest. But after the fact, after you've taken everybody's money, like what? <laughs> That's not yeah. good. Like, you're still really... It's better. It's, it's the it's the whole better to ask for forgiveness than permission yeah. policy, isn't it? That's Which exactly I think is outrageous, quite frankly. Yeah, and I just think he's just like I said, he can just sit around and be like, "Oh hey," you know, because again, he's very, he's always you know in out these interviews and what have you, and he does seem very affable. But I think I just think this is this is outrageous. Like, what are you saying then? Like, you just lied outright to everybody. This is like think about what you're telling people. So I just think that's crazy, quite frankly. Yeah. I think like we'd have to go and check the receipts a little bit because I don't know whether or not that gameplay footage on IGN he's referencing came before or after Arkane's tweet, which I think was about two weeks out from launch, maybe a week that did confirm that 30 FPS is the launch state and that 60 FPS would be coming afterwards. But maybe that's just a sign of them getting shaky ahead of time and knowing that this is going to be a big deal for people and them trying to get ahead of the um, ahead of the outcry. Um, but either way, like there were plenty of times like beforehand, you know, why not try, you know, a month before release or like two months out and, and say that you're working on it as opposed to literally the point in which people's pre-orders will be shipping. You know, this was Xbox's first first party $70 release. And if I paid $70 for this, I don't know how much it's retailing here in the UK, but I also know there's a, like a digital deluxe version where you get some like skins yeah. and stuff. Oh man, that that's the yeah. biggest ripoff of the century. Yeah. And my heart goes out to the developers because I hope nobody takes like mine, Jasmine's, Shabana's and Nathan's harsh words, um, Redfall uh, as directed at the developers because yeah. their responsibility you know, for everything that Phil Spencer said, he's right in that the responsibility and that the buck stops with him. Because Arcane wouldn't have been happy with releasing this. Like, there's no way this is this is well below their standard. Yeah, absolutely. Just to confirm, IGN's video that he's referencing was released on April the seventh. So why? What I believe that was way before their tweet. Uh, right. And I just watched a bit of it. Uh, sorry, I was doing research, Aaron, as you were talking. Apologies. Um, <laughs> That's all right. You're it alive. looks so smooth compared to this gameplay. It, it, it is. It's like it's like showing you like a Ferrari in the showroom, and then when it gets delivered to you, you get like a Fiat. Um, 
Mm. It's that sort of it's that sort of thing. It's just what it just looks like a it's much different experience to what this is. What this you is got. the Wish dot com version of Redfall. Uh, <laughs> yeah, compared to what everyone was promised. Say what? Why don't we? Why don't we watch it? Because uh, I've got it on here. Um, okay, sure. Oh, what the the Redfall gameplay? The, yeah. the IGN the IGN one. Um, uh, Look, Nathan's got the power of uh, uh, videos this week, guys. Yeah. In case you can't I mean, tell, he's gone power mad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. Look at how smooth that looks compared to when you played it. Like the actual yeah. smoothness of the, of the game and when it's hurt. Like stuff, stuff is happening so quickly. In yours, it was so jittery. Uh, should we go yeah. back? Uh, that might be better if we go back to. Sorry, sorry about this, guys. I'm, put, I'm putting you everywhere. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> we, like, like, we don't. We don't know. We, Jasmine's not here. If that was what Jasmine was witnessing on her screen, I highly doubt it. But yeah. um, you know. So this is your Xbox gameplay footage. Yeah. This is Series X live stream gameplay. Yeah. The most powerful Tech- console in the world. Apparently so. That's what they tell me. That's what Phil Spencer keeps on telling me. Yeah. That it's the, the, yeah. You know, I know somebody playing Redfall and actually on Xbox, and they're having a whale of a time. Um, they've had a couple of like small bugs here and there, but that's it. Um, but yeah, they're actually really. I mean, I think for a game for a Game Pass game. It's fine. As a standalone, I just don't think this is worth £70. Hmm. Um, I also don't really like... This is terrible. I really don't like the art style either, but that's just a personal preference. Um, but yeah, but they're having they're having a fun enough time. But I think if it was a free Game Pass game, would we but, be complaining here? Like, if it was like a £15 standalone, you know. That's fair. But Shibana, we had this conversation last week. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but like, is that really the, the reputation Xbox wants Game Pass to have? Oh, like, no. And they've really screwed over yeah. Arcane, I think, with this as well. Because if you think about that studio, it's so odd how, again, you have these studios that build up a good reputation with good games, and then one horrific decision like this can just undo all of that. I mean... Yeah, this is this is not what we were expecting at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it, so and it, a seventy yeah. pound standalone is is just insane for this. It's egregious, yeah. and it might get better over time, but like people's money are being is being taken now, isn't it? Yeah, so it's not really. It. Talking about arcane, um, Phil Spencer did this thing where he he's apologizing, but also blaming someone at the same time. Um, so uh, uh, maybe this is just me, but I'll read you the quote, see what you think. We didn't do a good job early on engaging with Arkane Austin to have really helped them understand what it meant to be part of Xbox and part of first party and use some of our internal resources to help them and move them along that journey even faster. Wow. That sounds to me like... He's throwing them under the bus. (laughs) That's Do you think the same? (laughs) Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And also, yeah. like, it's still your fault. Like, but he's doing yeah. it in a way of like, oh, you didn't help them. Like, he's yeah, <laughs> absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then he goes on to say, we did a better job with Starfield. Again, nobody should believe it until they're playing the game. But that game was earlier on in production, and it was is easier for us to swarm a bunch of people to go and help with some of the technology on our platform and ensure we're going to ship a quality experience there. Can I just say before we get ahead of ourselves with the whole Starfield yeah. example, like, so what he's trying to say is that Starfield was earlier in production, so they had time to like work on it more yeah but nobody thought like and i agree starfield was announced before the the bethesda acquisition nobody put a gun to phil spencer's head and said you must announce redfall now 
yeah. because nobody knew that Redfall existed until after the the Bethesda Xbox acquisition. So the fact that he's sort of like blaming it on the we were too hands off, we could have provided them with more help. It's like, well, you could have given them a big help by not announcing the game <laughs> earlier than it was expected. <laughs> because let's, let's not forget, this game was expected to release yeah. last summer at some point. And God knows what state it would have been in at that point. That God, would have been yeah. a real cyberpunk situation. So yeah. he's twisting his words. He's spoken. At, he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Like I believe that Phil Spencer is. He's a, he's clearly a gamer compared to Jim Ryan or and uh, but, uh, Doug, Doug Bowser. I think who heads up Nintendo these days. Who kind of I get really big. You know how are you, fellow gamer? Energy from the pair of them. <laughs> but, um, Phil Spencer's not yeah. that. I, I, I do feel bad for the guy a little bit because he's clearly not working with the talented teams of the caliber that are working for the other two console makers. He's trying to make the best of it, but at the same time, he knows what he's doing and he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. And I've literally, I don't know about you guys, but I've reached the point now where I can't, I can't tolerate anything he says. Like I can't. Like he says in that interview, he's like, "No one should believe me until I was playing for it." I was like, "Well, of course, because you've put us in that situation." Because you, you've allowed things like Redfall to yeah. release, and now you're trying to subtly throw Arcane under the bus. Even though later on in that interview he says, oh, I love that team, we're still going to continue working with that team. Mm. And I've seen some people speculate that Arcane Austin will either be folded back into Arcane Leon uh, or become a support studio, which typically happens when a quote-unquote disaster like this uh, uh, releases. Yeah, I mean, you're saying got... he doesn't have as much talent, sorry, to just butt in, uh, no, to go, work go. with, but they bought Bethesda, for Christ's sake. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, not that, not that, as much talent. When that deal happened, I was like... <laughs> I know Scott also doesn't like the Fallout games either, but for, I love like um, I only got, I got into them quite late, but I love New Vegas and Fallout Three was okay. Um, but like I was like Starfield, I'm on board with. I will buy an Xbox for this. Um, so let's not pretend that he's like struggling to. And again, they've had what was that fantasy like Dragon's Dogma style game that just cancelled? So Scalebound. someone is making these. Yeah, so they have these opportunities and they're making these decisions. They're splashing money all over the place. Um, and again, it's just a case of he's just like this convenient friendly affable mouthpiece they just trot out to like make you hand over your money and then again this this apology is outrageous like you what it's just just saying we lied to you surprise like it's still yeah. by starfield though because it's still going to be good because you know it was better shape than this junk like what are you saying <laughs> he's just thrown the studio yeah. in the bus trashed the game and been like but don't worry don't worry though starfield we learned from our mistakes that we, we just made this very second it's just like what yeah. I, this does not fill me with confidence at all yeah. He just said so many things he wanted to. It's such a rollercoaster. We wouldn't be able to go through everything he said. Like he said there's so something many I, things. There's something I want to bring up. I don't know if you've got the quote for it, but I will bring it up once. About the console wars? Oh. Potentially. We're getting said, on to that. But... Can I just say, <laughs> you Scott's, go in, Scott's in the chat. What what JD Incinerator says in the chat is absolutely insane, in my opinion. Phil Spencer, what, really, Phil Spencer is, one? <laughs> really is one of the best guys in the industry because of his respect. JD jd he doesn't respect you he doesn't respect me if he's if he's putting out games like this do you know what i mean on his watch but then scott does say i don't like bethesda game studios but i loved it's software machine games tango and arcane that is true to shabana's point it's not that they don't have the talent because it's software machine games and tango to be fair keep kicking ass it's just in terms of bethesda yeah. itself doesn't have the best track record which is insane like imagine being a, a studio sas publisher sitting above studios that are like more talented than you. And I know that's subjective and people will go Skyrim, 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 Fallout 4 and things like that. But Fallout 4 was a buggy mess. Skyrim, Skyrim was a buggy mess. Fallout 76 well, was a like buggy JD mess. Said, yeah. That's what I mean. So it's crazy. Um, 
But anyway, Nathan, yeah. sorry since. But he did apologise, guys. There is nothing more difficult for me than disappointing the Xbox community. <laughs> then why do you keep on doing it, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> Just to kind of watch the community lose confidence, be disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm upset with myself. I'm the most upset, guys. Guys, I know I'm you're upset. upset. I'm the most I'm... upset. <laughs> no has one anybody watched that um, me. Has anybody watched that movie Whiplash? I don't know if she, anybody. No, has. There's, I, a, no. there's a bit where Miles no. Teller's character, like J.K. Simmons, is up in his face. He's like, "Are you upset?" He goes, "Yeah." Then tell me. And Miles Teller's like, "I'm upset," screaming. <laughs> and that's kind of what I mentioned. Phil Spencer was doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shabana, you talked about uh, about buying a console for for a particular game. Phil Spencer disagrees with you, one hundred percent. Because um, he's backtracked. I know. I heard, I saw that. I was like, "This is wild." Maybe, maybe now, Phil, people are thinking that. But you're talking. Yeah. I can't. I need to get my vocabulary, all the swears out. You're talking nonsense. <laughs> because as soon as they took over Bethesda and our new Starfield wasn't going to be on PS5, first I was outraged, obviously. Um, but then I was like, "I'm going to have to get an Xbox. Like, I can't yeah. not play Fallout or Skyrim or potentially Starfield at the time, thinking it was going to be good. I can't not play those games." It's it's a giant IP that's got decades worth of history that a lot of people like. So you're talking out of your bum, <laughs> Phil. Yeah, yeah. In my Absolutely. opinion, go on, read, read the quote. <laughs> the quote is: um, "There's a couple. I'll start with the Starfield one. Um, that's just not the world we are in today. There is no world where Starfield is an 11 out of 10, and people are selling their PS5s. That's not just not going to happen. No, I wouldn't sell mine. I'd buy an Xbox as well, well. Yeah, exactly. It's just not true that if we go off and build great games, all of the, all of a sudden you're going to see console share shift in some dramatic way." We lost the worst generation to lose in the Xbox One. We're not in the business of out-consoling Sony or out-consoling Nintendo. There really isn't a great solution for... There, re- there isn't really a great solution for us. I see a lot of pundits out there that want to go back to a time when we all had cartridges and discs and every new generation was a clean slate and you could switch the whole console share. That's just not the world we're in today. Um, it's easy to say that when you're not releasing great games, isn't it? But also, like, if we're, if we're not, oh, I can't compete with PS5, why are you constantly harping on about how powerful the Xbox is? It's the most powerful in yeah. the world. You're doing something with that marketing. I wonder yeah. what it could possibly be. Is it because there's another console out there that you're trying to out-console? He's just yes. he's just talking nonsense, and he's doing damage control. And just to yeah. JD's uh, incinerator's point, you're probably going to be living with me after this. Um, I think <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil, I feel, has an image um, that's curated to, again, be oh i play games too like yeah it's not about i could be you know the best gamer in the entire world that doesn't necessarily mean i'm making great decisions for a company so regardless of his personal personality or whatever how nice and funny he is and he plays games too and jim ryan doesn't that who's making the best business decisions here like that's what it should really be about i think um and i just think phil is uh it's just dropped the ball like what's going on over there yeah. it feels like when you know if i was to like go and play football at a professional football team and sort of like act like i was a really good player and then go into it and clearly see that i wasn't and then after i'd be like i'm not a professional footballer guys like you know it's sort of that thing where like it's it's obvious that Microsoft is sort of losing the console wars but he's only saying it at this point because they're losing it. That's what it feels like to me. Like he's kind of, we're never in the race anyway. I don't know why people are talking about it. Like, why release a console then if you're not in the console wars? Um, Aaron, I don't know if you've been quiet for a while because you're sort of steaming, but uh, what is your take on this? 
Why do you keep doing this to me, Phil? Like, <laughs> I feel like week after week, I come on this podcast and I just bag on Xbox. Like, no one will believe me. Again, to use the Phil parlor, you know, parlance and stances, you shouldn't believe me because, you know, it is what it is. But they just keep dropping the ball. And when I heard this, like, live on the podcast, I was driving back from a, a magical place called Cheltenham at the time when I was oh, yeah. uh, listening to this interview. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing a good friend of mine, actually. Um, and uh, <laughs> basically, so, he's, yeah, he says this. And he says something to the effect of people aren't going to, yeah, start selling their PS5s or whatever. It's not your job to try and make people want to sell their PS5s. It's your job no. to try and make people buy Xbox Series mm-hmm. Xs or consoles. Except, wait a minute, it isn't because you're not making games for the Xbox because every <laughs> game comes to PC anyway. So we had this conversation with Nathan last week. He literally openly said he's got no reason to buy an Xbox outside of being priced out of buying like a gaming PC, right? So... And the fact that he basically goes on to say that great games aren't enough anymore to win the console wars. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry if you're not in the business to make great games, to to make great exclusives, to give reason to invest in your ecosystem, then you shouldn't be in the business. And there's a theory going around that, oh, well, Phil's only saying this because he wants to downplay their sort of economic, you know, state in the in a gaming economy because of the CMA result. And he's been doing the rounds again today um, saying that he's not that. The cloud gaming like isn't the future because obviously the CMA very you know matter of factly stated that as the reason as to why they blocked the Activision yeah. Blizzard deal. But as soon as like if I was an Xbox, like I own an Xbox, I am an Xbox Game Pass subscriber. If all I had to get my gaming fix was an Xbox, and I was hearing the head of Xbox say it's not a priority of us to make great games, and it's like well, a <laughs> you you got games in production so if they're not going to be great what's the shut the whole thing down and be you're in the gaming industry so i mean guys i just don't know where to even start like i've said my piece on it i could talk about yeah. this endlessly for games for days sorry it was just like baffling imagine if miyamoto came out and said yeah let's not bother making great mario games tears of the kingdom don't need it we're People not in the business <laughs> of making mo- let's great co- let's, games. Yeah. yeah, let's coast on like the the potential and ability of third party games and indies that are keeping you know which are keeping the Xbox system afloat yeah. in my opinion. And he also said in that in that interview, he was like, "It's hard to be Xbox at the moment." And I'm like, "Yes, it is." And he goes on to throw a bit of shade towards um, PlayStation because you know when you've got PlayStation like securing exclusivity deals and stuff like that. Oh, d- PlayStation excluding exclusivity deals. You're talking Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy Remake. Phil, you're spending 68.7 billion to take an entire publisher off the car off the table, even though you've already done that with Bethesda. And guess what? It still hasn't worked, has it? It still hasn't worked. You're trying to buy your way back to being competitive. Oh my god, I'm so, I got preach. more annoyed than preach, I... Aaron, yeah. preach. Like, <laughs> why are they buying Activision Blizzard if if they're not in the game? Like, if they're not interested in games, like, I just no, nothing just he's saying is making sense. He's hard. The hardware sells shit. Yeah, they're constantly being well, not shit. Sorry, I should, I should walk that back. They're not as good as PlayStation, I'd say, especially in certain markets. Um, you know, and then they're saying, "Oh, we're not in the console wars." That's exactly what this Xbox has been marketed as, right? The most powerful console in the world. Was that not the whole gist of that before it launched? Yeah. And now you're saying, "Oh, we don't care about that." Okay, games. Okay, we're buying all these people. Oh, we don't care about making great games. Okay, okay. Well, now we're trying to buy everybody else, and now oh, we're not doing cloud gaming either. What are you doing then? Like, what exactly are you in the business of? You don't care about consoles. You don't care about games. You don't care about cloud gaming. What are you doing? <laughs> what are yeah. you doing over there? It just yeah. 
like it's just a lot of walking back on stuff um and i think i think cloud gaming is the direction that they're going in you still need to have good games and if you don't can't be asked to make them don't buy up publishers to make things exclusive because again he used to harp on before because we also you know i mean it is subjective. I prefer the exclusives on PlayStation platforms, which is why I went back to PlayStation after I jumped to Xbox. Um, but, you know, that is a big deciding factor in stuff, and you need to invest in those things. Um, you know, if you don't... that Like I said, exclusives make you buy a console, so I would have bought an Xbox for Starfield. Um, but I'm on the fence now. I don't know where I was going with that rant. I've lost my train of thought. But just basically what Aaron said. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just... If this was true, they wouldn't have bothered with the X. They'd have just released the S. Why market the X as the world's most powerful console if if, if you weren't going to develop games that could handle the power of the? X? I just yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get Aaron going again. Well, maybe I do. Let, let me just poke him <laughs> again, see if he gets yeah. going. Rare uh, yeah, we've got some great uh, great comments. Um, Scott is saying, while the guy who released a console whose biggest launch game was a third party multi platform Yakuza game doesn't agree with buying consoles for a game yeah uh, that's interesting jd uh seems to really like phil spencer um as well whom i see but phil spencer isn't microsoft he's an xbox figurehead um he's is in charge of xbox microsoft. division right yeah and he, he rose microsoft. up through the ranks of microsoft and then yeah. when xbox mm-hmm. was formed he was very early on like i yeah. give him props for climbing the ladder he's done the thing yeah Do you know what yeah. i mean so yeah. Connor says Aaron needs to play New Zelda to bring him out of this spiral. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I do. Probably I just, true, yeah. I just yeah. need to be on a bus somewhere in yeah. Grey, Australia yeah. playing Zelda. Pour yourself some nice tap water at the end of the day. Ignore yeah. your yeah. wife. Take over the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And Connor says Xbox going to have to rely on the Carnival game series to sell hardware. Uh, yeah. I mean, it I worked mean, for Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of. Yeah. So, I mean, where, where do we go from here? I mean, Starfield, he's putting even more pressure on that now with this with this chat. And we oh, just, I said that, I said it in last week's podcast. I don't know why I've got an Xbox now because I've missed out on all these games. I feel like I'm just, oh, it'll be fine. The next one will be fine. I'm really looking forward to it. Starfield's the next one that I've really got my hopes on. But like, if that if that's disappoint if that's a disappointment, I just don't see where. Obviously, Xbox are going to continue to make money. I'm not saying that they're going to go under or anything. But like, where do they go? What what's their? Is it just game Game Pass is all they offer? That's all it's... you're getting an Xbox for. I think Game Pass is incredible value. Like, let's say you yeah. had fantastic games on there. Um, you don't as long as you have your subscription going it's like netflix that just took over no one's going out buying blu-rays and dvds anymore you just watch all the stuff on there right so it's a good business model obviously it does rely on the internet connection and what have you because it's different from just streaming uh you know movies and what have you but um i think that is where they're going and i think this whole saying it's not is cma related to that whole activision deal um because they just yeah did this not a successful as Sony in certain markets with a console, even though it's the most powerful, like it's they don't have the exclusives. And ultimately it is exclusives that will sell consoles. Um, because if you if you could be have the most powerful console in the world, if all the games are rubbish, what are you gonna play on it? Nintendo's getting along just fine. They have their IP, um, they've got loads of really fun third party games and stuff on there, lots of indie titles. So they're doing their own thing and they're fine. They don't have to be powerful. I think Xbox has come in to try to compete with Sony on a powerful, like whatever. They just haven't got the game library. They don't seem to particularly care that much about getting 
decent exclusives even halo launched i mean what mess was that in what was his name craig the little brute thing yeah, like that was all that brute. stuff going on so i don't know what their plan is but i think they're gonna have to rely on game pass and cloud gaming personally but even though he's walking that back a bit but i don't know what else they're going to be doing and they need to certainly up i mean why are they spending all this money if we're just not getting great games right there's money to be made in the game games industry. It's just that in in the pursuit of trying to differentiate differentiate the Xbox platform, uh, aside from uh, compared to PlayStation and Nintendo, which they're they really want to do. PlayStation have the the top tier first party exclusive games, the blockbuster hits. Nintendo has the charming, you know, first party hits coupled with the flexibility of being able to dock, play on the go, and play on your on your big screen. I would argue, Xboxes is Xbox Game Pass and Cloud Gaming, which it is doing well in. But as I've said before, and I've said a million times, Xbox Game Pass does not make money. And Microsoft is in the in the business of making money. And Netflix found that out beginning of this year when the shareholder the shares dropped because of the investment and they weren't recouping it. Um, I really feel like a reckoning, it, and I hate to put this much pressure on one game, but i starfield like it's got a lot to prove it's the only confirmed only other confirmed xbox exclusive to be coming this year with a date the other one is forza motorsport reboot that is a niche game it's not mainstream it's not going to shift units for the most part as high-end a game as it is you know what playstation's got marvel spider-man 2 and that is um you know a system seller that's not going to be available on pc the same day it gives people a reason to buy a ps5 now it's available and don't get me wrong like I've, I'm I, like for PS5, like it, I'm finding myself constantly annoyed that we don't know what else is coming beyond Marvel Spider-Man 2. Because like, you know, it's very rare. Like around this point last year, we knew that Horizon and God of War Ragnarok were still coming. So I felt like PlayStation's got a lot to prove in the summer showcase. But the difference is, is that PlayStation very rarely has let me down on the blockbuster exclusive fronts yet. Whereas Xbox, it seems to be stumble after stumble. If you go that Xbox Series X, it didn't launch with Halo Infinite. It didn't launch with any first party exclusive game. As, as Scott pointed out, it was Yakuza 0 which is a third party and again not really a system seller playstation had demon souls uh there was astro's bot you know packed into the game it gave people reason to be excited and jump in and i honestly like shabana's excited for starfield i know like maybe i'll eat my words again but i've said that on this podcast before and guess what i'm i've still not eaten my words but I'm, i'm ready to eat my words with starfield i know exactly the game that this is it's going to be a buggy mess. It's going to be overscoped. It's not going to function correctly because, you know, the past three, four games from Bethesda haven't. And this is, you know, 16 times the detail. This is bigger and bigger doesn't equal better. And when Xbox and Bethesda realize that, everyone will be better off. I'm just <sighs> trying to look for any bugs in this, um, in this game. <laughs> oh, if they were showing that already, he'll be like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Nathan, they would have picked through this like every inch of this <laughs> yeah, gameplay know, footage is, know, you know, know, with a fine tooth comb. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I certainly was looking forward to this because um, I basically I have I have my work Xbox, but like if I want a console, I'll buy it for myself because it's not mine. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm not. I don't think I would buy. I would have bought one for Starfield just off without all this shenanigans. I would have bought mm. one because I. Again, I am down for Bethesda games, anything from that studio. If it's going to be an exclusive, I know I want to play those games going forward. And if that's been, you know, cordoned off behind the Xbox wall, that's what I'll buy to to play it. Um, but yeah, don't forget uh, that Xbox took this game away from PlayStation players. Like, yeah, yeah. it was announced for both. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, but don't worry, guys, because Xbox is about bringing games to more people. All right. Exactly. It's about bringing this is what games I'm to saying. 
Phil Spencer, we don't care what you play on, but mm. as long as it's not a Nintendo or a PlayStation, then we don't care yeah. what you play on. NVIDIA, yeah. you can play there. He just flipped. Uh, like I said, that's that's because when I remember that deal was announced, um, I was just going off what Phil Spencer has been saying all these years about exclusives. So we were discussing, <laughs> like, at the time, we were like, oh, you know, will it be exclusive? I was like, no, he wouldn't do. Phil wouldn't do that. You know, he's a gamer as well. He's been saying all this stuff all these years. It would be yeah. crazy if he suddenly turned around and was like, psych, PS5 people. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Because ultimately, that's that's their goal, right? So... Like I said, he's cultivated this image, and I'm sure he's, you know, whatever, but we don't just take everything for granted that he's saying because, you know, again, why isn't this on PlayStation then? You could have made this a limited time exclusive. Uh, it could be just on Game Pass day one, and it could just be everywhere else for $70 because, again, if you're getting it for free um, or for £10 a month or whatever it is, you you know, you can just buy an Xbox and have it on Game Pass, right? So it's yeah. a very strange decision they've made with these things because it's been more profitable to just have it on all platforms and have some kind of exclusivity or Game Pass deal in place. But yeah, I'm I'm on the fence now and I'm certainly not going to commit to spending because what else would I play on the Xbox? Like I don't I don't use the one I have here really either. So I'm not going to buy an Xbox currently for this based on yeah. all these shenanigans. I'm not saying that Phil Spencer is wrong to take this away from PlayStation gamers. Do you know what I mean? It's just the fact that he's set, he's saying the opposite and he's exactly. doing, he's saying one thing and doing the other. So that's why you can't trust Phil Spencer as far as you can throw him. Yeah. Like it's yeah. really frustrating. And then when you throw the CMA thing into that, there's also yeah. the added element of that. And like, you don't know what he's saying to kind of make that deal go through or to help that deal go through at the same time. So there's that added element as well of like, Oh, what, why has he said this particular thing? Does he really mean this, or is he saying it for this deal to go through? So there's that also added element there. So it just feels, it all feels very like vague when you're trying to trying to dissect what he said and and what, the reasons why he said what he said as well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, really interesting. But um, I mean, sort, Starfield looks right, good. Phil. Starfield looks good. The trailer I'm playing the trailer now for people who, who haven't seen. Uh, trailer does look game. great, but what yeah, do we yeah. even believe anymore? Oh, and there was an ESRB rating that gave us some very exciting news about Starfield. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's like a whole other issue. Like, what is <laughs> like? Why does that need to be in the game? Like, I don't, you know, I'm no prude, but there he is with that jacket. You're not fooling that's... anyone, Todd. You're not 25. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now I'm just being mean. I apologize for that. Yeah. <laughs> so Starfield has been given an ESRB rating of M, uh, which uh, isn't you know the big be, be, be all and end all but there's some really interesting information that's come out uh there's a lot of uh information about an iora drug um which is fictional uh, there's also a bit about we work in a drug lab potentially there's also uh bits about sex in there dialogue examples after sex which is really interesting that sort of like dad joke type read them out to us Oh, in Pelo Talk voice. I, I, I really don't. I feel like this is going to be clipped out of context or something. Do it. Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> don't give in to feel peer pressure, Nathan. Shabana, no, if, if, if you want to read it, go and have a look. They're all I out there. there was, no, I'm just talking to the general audience. If you want to go, <laughs> there are some really dad joke uh, post sex uh, lines in there, apparently, which you can go uh, in. I think they're very seductive. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. The, they <laughs> mentioned jetpacks, seeing stars. Um, yeah, there's all, all sorts in there. So, yeah, go and have a look. I've, I did say before the show that I would talk about it, but I've lost my bottle, Shabana, so I apologize. Uh, <laughs> when you're live, it's a very different thing. I just, I'm just, I just don't want it to get clipped up, you know. 
Yeah. You're a coward, sir. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Starfield now. Um, oh, I just hope it's good, you know? Just for the sake of like the industry itself, like we, the industry needs a, a strong Xbox offering, a strong PlayStation mm. offering, a strong Nintendo offering. It feels like Nintendo and PlayStation are kind of fulfilling their end of the bargain, but Xbox, like we talked about this well, last well, week. What but... do you do after this if this fails? Like, what can they possibly do if this is tripe? Well, JD talking... Incinerator uh, in the chat, he says that he disagrees. Forza Motorsport is a big Xbox exclusive. I get what Aaron's saying, racing games are niche, but it's still huge and will be headlined in their line. So they've got that to fall back on. But what what else is the question? Yeah, For, um, Forza, Forza Mo- Motorsport, it won't win Game of the Year. Xbox doesn't have a Game of the Year no. contender. I think, like, not to like simplify everything down, down, but if I look at Nintendo's lineup, if I look at PlayStation's first party lineup, there's games in there that could potentially be people's game of the year. Halo Infinite is meant to be the tip, the tippest of the top of the Xbox first party family. And we know we all know how that went. And I'm someone who had a really fun time with the Halo Infinite multiplayer, but they just let that die on the vine. Um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. Like We were talking about the whole Xbox thing. And I said, I really think the only thing that could save Xbox now is if a Gears 6 gets announced uh, at the Xbox Game Summer Showcase. And he was like, do you know what, mate? I don't think Gears is doing it anymore either like it's lost that if it's such a long time hasn't it for the for the series if it would feel like a bit of a desperate move at that stage i don't doubt that there's a gears in development because they've got Mm. a dedicated studio called the coalition and gears 5 was really good was it Mm. was it god of war good no well i prefer i didn't play it i'm I'm just i'm just trolling i just think the classic one it's like the you know these uh, movies come out i think one and three were great and i just was like i dropped off after four but maybe Mm. i'm just old and miserable now and five was fantastic yeah it looks pretty uh, scott's in the (laughs) chat um he's talking about games uh worth noting armored core and spider-man are both set to be around august september apparently so it's not like if it it's not even like it has no competition. Um, there are there is talk about Fable, which is something that a lot of Xbox I fans love have been. Fable, yeah. yes, I'm on board. Of, I'd buy an I'd buy an Xbox with Fable. They so they've still got some aces up their sleeve, Aaron. Don't write them off just yet. Don't the Xbox. Are... But <laughs> the last Fable wasn't that good, though. I will say yeah. again, it's the original. Was it one, two, and three? Anyway, but the yeah. first ones were great, and then we got the last one where you can play as was it two characters, whatever it was. It was like a floating around button because that was when Peter Molyneux was on his whole like you should have one button for everything in a game, and I was just like okay. Um, but that was around <laughs> that time if we remember that. But yeah, Fable is a good one, but is that gonna? You'd have to revamp Fa- that series quite a lot, I think. Yeah. Fable has a good team on it. It's Playground Games that do the Forza Forza Horizon series, so we know that they can make an open world, a beautiful open world like that. But I even I even think there's an element of gambling, a, you know, a gamble element to that because Arcane didn't make co-op shooter online shooters, and they just did one, and look how that went. So uh, yeah, there's still a lot to prove, but I'm sure that they've got it in them. Whether again, whether or not it hits yeah. this year, who's to say? The Halo one for me, that was such a, it felt like a kick in the stomach for me because you know, like you, Aaron, and possibly Yushiban as well, I grew up on Halo multiplayer. Um, all the content that I did was around that. You know, any spare time I got was playing that multiplayer, playing the campaign. Um, such a like a magical time. And it, in terms of Xbox, like you, Aaron, that is you said, Aaron, that is the absolute pinnacle. That is their, you know, Master Chief is their poster boy <laughs> for their for their whole thing. And the fact that Halo Infinite launched without co-op 
multiplayer uh, without co-op campaign which is like the biggest thing that people wanted um without forge so people couldn't even be creative and without a battle royale mode still which is baffling to me considering that they haven't just tried that just to see like considering like the way warzone 2 is going um battlefield all these fps battle royale titles that aren't doing anything just try something man and they just haven't done anything with it which is really frustrating it's not even that bad like when you well, Halo, I played Halo, Infinite. yeah, Halo Infinite multiplayer is is enjoyable experience. It's just not. I like it. It's just not there. There's just and not, I don't, there's nothing magical about it. And obviously, it's free to play. Anyway, you don't have to buy Halo Infinite. You don't have to have yes. Xbox Game Pass to buy it. So yeah. that's a good move there. But then the problem yeah. with that is that how they gamify, getting like improving your character yeah. is very slow yeah. and like you know doesn't feel yeah. good to do. So if unless you're there yeah. for the shooting and the shooting alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a lot there for you. And there's been loads of big execs leave that project as well in recent weeks, which seems to me like this sort of they've kind of given up on it from what I can make out, but which is a shame. Um, Aaron, what, are you going to jump in there? Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, yeah, if I was these execs, like, I don't blame them because I think there was one that went to Netflix and I'm like, well, you've just got your golden yes. parachute. I doubt that <laughs> your game will ever come out and what console, if any, it'll release on. But hey, you know, your time's done. Yeah, Netflix yeah. have said that there will be AAA titles, weren't there, for their, for their platform. I'm not sure how that will look. Um, I want to live maybe in a world that, where, yeah. Maybe they'll be bigger than Xbox this time next year. Yeah, maybe. Have to see. That is the sort of play, like like Xbox. The goal, if the goal is not to get Game Pass on PlayStation or Nintendo, then I don't really know what the goal is yeah. at this point. Yeah. But yeah. why PlayStation would let that happen? I there's no incentive. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just on the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal, I know we've we've uh, touched on it a little bit, but EA don't care at all if it goes through <laughs> or not. They they don't care at all. Uh, EA CEO, Android Wilson, Wilson doesn't care. Android Wilson. Andrew Wilson says, we think we have the scale, again, back to our network, our IP and our talent. We continue to navigate the future and lead the future of entertainment and compete in the marketplace regardless of whether that deal goes through or not. So at least someone's being honest about like, you know, we don't really care because I've seen a lot of other publishers and people say, oh, this is really important. It goes through and all this kind of stuff. And it's, I mean, it's just nice is to it? hear someone say, I'm not really bothered. Um <laughs> Yeah, right. someone who's you completely feel. not got any investment in it at all, like just telling it like it is, like what, what do we care yeah. kind of thing. Nothing yeah. will change Doesn't for us. us. We'll release our games. Or, yeah, yeah we're, we got we're not going to put pressure on one side or the other in the CMA argument because it feels like a lot of companies are coming out with these statements and like responses in the sole hope that the CMA sees this response and then puts that in a report in a couple of months' time or something. It's quite obvious when that stuff happens. But, uh, do you know the funny quite... thing with the cma thing is because i agree mm. with you there's a lot of fallout and like we yeah. received word that is it ea i like that Xbox fallout and... i like that um like they're hiring like princess diana's former lawyer or something to yes. fight this but look the, the cma's decision it's it's done they were investigating it for a year it's done the only thing they can appeal now basically in order to get it revoked they have to prove that the cma was like using misinformation when they made their decision. So there's no changing the CMA's mind. The CMA's role is done in it. They have to overturn it at, obviously, a, a tribunal. So, I, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. And if they lose the appeal, I believe it's 10 years before they can try and acquire them again. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I do find it. myself wondering, like, how the how one country's regulatory authority is able to have so much power on a 
on a decision is quite wild to me like us uk yeah. and canada i think yeah. it is like yeah. those are the big three and if one doesn't yeah. conform then that's basically the nail in the coffin but obviously yeah. microsoft has still got to fight its case at, in court against the ftc anyway i remember yeah. when the announcement for that came it was like oh that's a bit drastic isn't it or whatever and then the cma come out and they're like oh okay i don't know then so yeah 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 absolutely i feel like that is a different podcast topic um Maybe I'm not a legal expert. Yeah, none of us are. I'm just politically as well, talking about the influence and stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's all a bit murky. It's not really kind of clear who has the sort of authority around the world. But um, it seems like the UK is a big enough player to be like, no, nope, like, not what what Emperor Palpatine figure decided you three countries. Yeah, you are know. the sort of linchpins. It's like it's Eurovision yeah. later on this week, and you've got five countries that are just entered into Eurovision. Because because they put so much money in it, apparently. And I've always found that a little bit weird. But yes. It sounds like you keeping up with the drama. You earlier before we were live, you were like, Oh, I watch it occasionally and you know all this politics I and what's been going on. I couldn't tell you I can tell you the first thing about Eurovision. <laughs> There's countries yeah, that like singing bad songs. Yeah, and how like the post <laughs> of um FIFA World Cups just suddenly get entered as well because they're hosting it. Oh, thanks for hosting it, by the way, free entry sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of uh, Yeah. Um but I mean, oh, what we'll just have to see what happens with that. So much, so much up in the air um, that I don't really understand, and I'm sure will come to fruition. Uh, what I do understand, though, is uh, EA Sports um, and EA Sports FC. I had the pleasure of speaking with their vice president of brand, um, David Jackson, uh, a couple of weeks ago at the FC Futures event, and we talked about EA Sports FC. Um, and what it could mean to the future of the, the business and um, the brand itself and what players can expect and all that kind of stuff. If you want to watch the full video, it's on our YouTube channel, so go and have a look on there. Um, but um, they released, EA released their Q4 um, fiscal year 23 earnings uh, this week. Um, uh, sounds boring, but there was some really interesting information in there. Notably, that EA Sports FC uh, will be the name of its new series of games with a brand new entry in the series expected set to be released every year, which confirms that it'll be an annual release. Um, it basically all but confirms that the first title in the series will be EA Sports FC 24, following on from FIFA 23, which will continue the, the naming cycle. Um, it's it's really interesting is it because there was a lot of talk about will they go free to play and if you look at their financial results they don't I mean, need to don't need to uh year over year in q4 ea sports fifa titles uh, net bookings which uh is, is the sales of the games grew 31 percent year over year um <clears throat> live services in-game purchases like fifa points grew 20 percent year over year so they're they're getting the full game purchases as well as the in-game purchases which is, is mad and there's also talk about how they would integrate the ultimate team into the live serving model as well and all that kind of stuff um overall um in 20 the fiscal year 23 ea made just 7.3 billion dollars in total net bookings uh but it's interesting 5.5 5.5 billion dollars of those was from live service bookings alone uh, which is really interesting. Uh, so a, a big chunk. Uh, that isn't just FIFA points. That's like Sims and stuff as well in, involved in that as well. But really interesting. Uh, the question to you guys is we've seen games like a Star Wars Jedi Survivor, for example, being successful, um, which proves that not all games have to have microtransactions and loot boxes in them, um, especially single player ones as well. Um what, what do you think is the sort of the right approach? Because I know we talked about this before about... People 
publishers like EA will continue to do this as long as people buy the game and then spend money on the game, and people won't stop until that yeah they stop making money off it basically but where, where's the sort of line with this and are ea right to go this way with keeping an annual release do you think i think, um, I think uh, so you go first one oh i was just say i've not i don't know how much i can talk on this subject too much because you know i don't know as much about ea's financial practices as i do say xbox game pass um but um <laughs> or pretend to know but uh, what i do know from the outside looking in is that fifa players and now i guess ea fc players are creatures of habit and that EA would be silly. Like even I could admit that it's free money on the table. So why would they change their sort of like release model if it's working so well and they're seeing growth year upon year? But it does kind of remind me of the whole Game Freak thing and Pokemon to kind of bring it back to something I am familiar with in that it doesn't really matter what you release because for some people, as long as it's got a name on the box, Pokemon, it used to be FIFA and EA's hoping that it's soon to be EAFC. Like it, it's... I was going to say like they don't have to put thought into it. There is no thought required. It's like it's that time of year where the football game I like gets gets released and I'm just going to do the thing that I've always done because, hey, look, I'm a working professional now. I, I can afford it. There are probably better things that I could spend my money on, but EA's not going to complain because, you know, in terms of powering their machine, I'm a good battery. Uh, so that's <laughs> what I kind of say. Like I was happy to hear that Star Wars Jedi Survivor is being is successful because, like you said, it ea have really done a 180 in terms of it wasn't that long ago that they were forcing microtransactions and loot boxes into star wars battlefront 2 which i found interesting at the time because even though neither party said anything it was very clear that the mouse had a word with ea and anyone who can put ea in its place gets a thumbs up from me you know um so yeah that's kind of like where i'm coming at it from like i don't see their release model changing soon unless they see because of the name recognition thing they see like a major shift like I think everyone's waiting with bated breath, including EA itself, as to how it's going to happen, because this is sort of like uncertain territory. Yeah. Shabana? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like you say, if it isn't broke, like don't fix it. Right. Um, but I think a lot of people are very quick to jump on the free to play. So with Call of Duty, um, we saw a lot of people going over to Fortnite. I would say probably it was the younger people rather than staunch cold players. Um, and they've gone free to play. And I think Warzone 2 is just not it. Like, who is even playing that anymore? <laughs> um, it, like, there doesn't seem, seem to be much interest. So I think it would have been interesting to see if they just stayed what they with what they were doing. But perhaps they were seeing a decline anyway. But I think, like with FIFA, if you're selling a full game every year and you're not seeing anything changing, why mix it up and go free-to-play? I think free-to-play also has its a lot of cons as well with just with regards to that sort of system. So, yeah, I think carry on doing it. And I, I don't think everybody should be jumping on this whole free-to-play bandwagon either. I think that can be quite detrimental to some established IPs as well. Like, you know, just sell Halo as a full-price game and don't bugger about with it and make it good and have everything in there. Like, not everything has to be Fortnite, right? Which I think people are just trying to get in on the cash there because the amount of money like even like with uh fifa there people are still buying stuff in game um and i just think yeah i'm glad it's not free to play because i think that trend needs to just be nipped in the bud um is my personal opinion nathan you're the fifa pro here mm. i mean it's i think ea sports fc 24 i think there's a bit of nervousness around it because it is the first one where there's a name change and people are so used to that muscle memory of like do you want a game of fifa it's fifa uh they don't they don't call it ea sports so the fact that they're gonna there's gonna be a name change and there will be some people that 
maybe aren't too familiar with it obviously you get the staunch fifa players that will buy it because it they know ea sports make the game right but you will get the general population maybe like oh there's not a fifa game this year oh it's ea sports is that the same one sort of thing that sort of so i think there is a bit of nervousness around it but what they've been really clever about is they've gone out to some of the major clubs uh, Liverpool, I think, particularly, who are one of their sponsor clubs. And they've like dished out EA Sports FC merch for free to, to everyone. Okay. Um, and they've put like big billboards up outside the stadiums and things. And when you watch a Premier League game, for example, on the billboards, it's just EA Sports FC everywhere in terms of like the world's game and all this kind of stuff and authenticity, which they go on about a lot as well. So I think there's a lot of education to be done. And I think that... that that kind of proves to me that they're slightly nervous about the reception of it. But if they get past this year and they get to that stage where they then get recognised as the football game again, which they will be because there's no competition, then I think the year after that, it will just be an easy cycle then for them to just carry on doing annual releases. Um, If you look at the competition, eFootball, which are made by Konami, which used to be the, the PES series, Pro Evolution Soccer, that is nowhere absolutely nowhere that's free to play they they did that free to play because it was so bad they had to there was no other option no one no one bought it so they had to go free to play right um there's other there's other players in the market like ufl and and, and goals but they're they're very small studios compared to obviously ea sports um as well and what the power they've got behind the scenes um but yeah i think the the only the only one would be fifa as far as we know, FIFA don't have a publisher yet for their game. They've said that there will be a game that gets released, and they've been quite bullish about that. It won't come out this year. Like, There's no way. If they haven't got a publisher this year, there's talks about 2K potentially. I'm not sure how, how, how true that was. Um, I mean, they love a loot box. They love a, an actual gambling machine in games. Um, as we've seen with the NBA games, there's a literal, literal... Um, like uh, what's the what's the games where you the boxes where you just you do the stick and then it it like swells. Slot slot, there's literal slot machines in those games. So um, yeah, that that's that's not great. Two uh, K are too busy making racing games based on Lego well, at the moment. Anyway, to worry about uh, <laughs> having a football game. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there is literally no competition. So as long as they get over this barrier this year of like, oh, okay, that's the football game now sort of thing as long as they've got that in people's heads that'll be they'll be fine they'll continue well, there was to an interesting uh, quote in your interview can we talk mm. about the quotes from your interview is of that course, yeah, great of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. where he was basically like it's uh or maybe that was from a different interview but somewhere sometime he was like fifa's just a name on the box right so yes. i think if we've got no fifa 24 this year and they're obviously, because I, I was curious about what they would be doing with regards to the marketing. And I don't go to football stadiums, uh, is my guest. <laughs> so I've missed out on all this advertising and what have you. But um, yeah, because if you're like, oh, there's no FIFA this year, what am I going to do? I think it's going to be quite easy to figure out. It's going to be EA Sports. And I think that they, talking about trust, again, that we've spoken about before, you know what you're going to get. If it's the same people and a different name on the box, I don't think anyone's going to have an issue with it, really. And I would be surprised to see fifa recover from this 
um, with something next year. Because if, if EA sets, and again, I can't imagine why they would release a crappy game given the fact they've had, you know, they know what they're doing. They're going to release a great one this year, same, more of the same next year, even better really, because we talked about how they've been quite um, held back by FIFA with regards to stuff they wanted to do and implement. So it's going to be probably a better game than the, the last FIFA. And I just don't know how the real FIFA will compete with that next year. So I don't think we've got anything to worry about if you're a FIFA player personally, yeah. but I don't play FIFA. But I mean, the the quotes that you're talking about were from Andrew Wilson, the the CEO oh, of EA. You, yes. um, VGC uh, got hold of some internal um, emails in February uh, 2022 last year, um, where he said um, he basically said, uh, "Oh, I've got it here." Um, uh, our players want us to expand into the digital ecosystem more broadly. Our fans are telling us they want to go and participate in that space. Our FIFA license has actually precluded us from doing a lot of this stuff. Again, FIFA is just a name on the box, but they've preclu- precluded our ability to be able to breach into the areas that players want. So they've talked a lot about... This was ahead of the divorce, by the way. This is before every, anything was final, before it was announced. So the, I, I get, this was probably a negotiation tactic at the time that maybe backfired. I don't know. But um, I think what the pressure they've got now as a FIFA player, FIFA players are quite unhappy with how the game is, but they buy it because it's the only game that they can buy because it's got all the players on. They've got all the licenses. They've played it for years, but they're quite unhappy with the state of the game as it is. There's a lot of pressure now on EA Sports to deliver on that because they're talking so much about how FIFA held them back. We're going to give you new experiences. If EA come out with the same game with a different badge and some more slight new features, which they do every year, by the way, they just repackage stuff that's already in the game and see. We've put a power shot in the game. Okay, this is just one animation, but it's the same as what's been there before. If they do that again, I think the pressure will ramp up. But again, there's no competition, so... That's happen. exactly what's going to happen because how have they managed to turn this game around so quick? If like le- like less than a year's development, like it's a it's a machine, right? It's um, what do you call it? It's an assembly line. Like these yes. games come out rain or shine, and a developer or a publisher that find that out was uh 2K not too long ago with the WWE series. There was that yeah. really bad one. I can't remember if it was 17 or 18. Maybe someone in the chat knows. To the extent that they had to fumble to get something out the following year which ended up being like a small arcade take on wrestling. I can't remember exactly what that was called either. That just goes to, to show how memorable those games were. But yeah, I can't imagine a world where EA FC comes out, EA FC 24, and it's this completely overhauled, revitalized, like new systems. Because yeah. like, I, I do feel for the developer. I know I've said this a couple of times. I do feel for the developers of like sports games in general, because yeah. it's sort of like, what else can you do that hasn't already been done? And I guess that's yeah. why there's calls for making it a platform as opposed to um, an annual release. Yeah. But EA makes too much money. So I, I would advise yeah. everybody to vote with your wallet, essentially. And yeah, JD Incinerator calls it out. WWE 2K18 was the disaster title. Yes. So yeah. we don't want EA FC 24 to be that. Or maybe certain people do. Maybe yeah. Nathan does. I don't know. <laughs> but EA in its place. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a, a YouTuber called uh, Jake Barford, uh, American-based content creator. Um and he came out with some claims last year about EA Sports and the FIFA coding itself, which was really interesting to me. Um, he said that the the game is literally broken. The basic foundational code of the game is too old and is built, built on top of for too long to be fixed. A lot of the people who built the original code of the game no longer work at EA, making it extremely mm. difficult and time-consuming to fix certain things. 
because the code of the game is so old and complex, it makes certain tasks that you would think would be easy extremely difficult. Um, the hope, still though, built on Frostbite, isn't it? Uh, yeah. For your first yeah. yeah, but then he, he also goes on to say, the hope, though, is not for 23, but what comes after. Next year, we could see massive changes to the game with EA losing the FIFA license. I'm not sure how true that is. Like you said, if they've only had a year to develop it, or maybe... Maybe next look... year will be the one. Is that not what yeah. he means? Yeah. Like, yes, I think it'll well, be this, probably next year. Well, I don't year. know if that's what he means, but that is like oh. next year. This thread was microphone. from August last year. So he, he's talking right. about EA Sports FC this year. But that would only be the case if EA Sports knew they were going on their own a couple of years beforehand. And they yeah. were kind of planning for it in the background, which seems like a bit, pretty big gamble to make um, if they weren't thinking about it. But maybe they've been thinking about it for years in the background. Maybe this was always the plan, but it's just like part of the PR spin. So um, we'll have to wait and see what happens in July. We're going to hear a bit more about in July about what fans can expect. But if it's just a rebadge of FIFA 23 with updated rosters and kits and... Nathan squads and things that would be nightmare. Yeah, yes. Sir. Can I, can I ask like as the resident FIFA man, like how far out from release do you tend to see the marketing and PR cycle spin up for a FIFA game? Like is it unusual that we've we've not seen any gameplay footage from this new game at the moment or last year I believe it was May June time uh for gameplay reveals. It's a bit later this year. Um it's in July. There are reasons for that uh, which I won't go into. Um but uh, yes, it's a little bit lighter than usual. Um, but I don't, right. I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything. Because of I know, I know exactly yeah. what you're hinting at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember now. Um, <laughs> Do I yes. know? I'm so curious. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you afterwards. Okay, great, um, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. There's a, there's a reason why it's in July and not now. Um, but yeah, it's slightly later than usual. Yeah, but we'd we'd normally see a little bit of gameplay now with a few more different bits and bobs, but. Um, we yeah, usually be, see be... Alex Hunter right now on his face, uh, getting ready to well, join up with that's the, squad. the thing. Alex Hunter hasn't been in the game since FIFA 21. I know. I want to that's say. how dated um, my references are for FIFA. No, yeah. FIFA 20, I think, was the last appearance, I believe. So, someone, oh. can someone help me? I tell you what, uh, if so... Alex Hunter's in EAFC 24, you've got my attention. Must, that's <laughs> must buy. Yeah, must buy. Uh, but thank you guys uh, for this week's walkthrough. It's been a pleasure to chat with both of you. Uh, about Microsoft once again. They just keep on delivering for us. It's free content for us. It's brilliant. It's when was the last brilliant. time we had like a major PlayStation story on the podcast? Like they just like, they keep their heads down and make games. Yep. Do you know what I mean? They're not Great acquiring games. everyone else. Well, I didn't want to Absolutely. put the words in my mouth. I wouldn't, know because I, I wouldn't know because I haven't got a PlayStation. Um, so maybe well, that have to Have change. you been a good boy this year? It's, you know, six... <laughs> months before christmas yeah we'll have to we'll have to wait and see but no thank you so much both for, for coming on really appreciate it really enjoyed today's uh walkthrough thanks aaron thanks Shabana. uh thanks for joining thank us you. today and thank you to everyone who's who's listened and watched uh us on youtube and facebook it's been a pleasure uh if you really if you like the podcast um please subscribe to our channel like the video and also comment really appreciate everyone being in the chat as well uh, and telling us their thoughts and stuff shout out to everyone who's been in today uh, but we'll catch you next week on next week's walkthrough at 4pm BST every Wednesday. We'll be here talking about the hottest topics, uh, but we'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye. 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 <laughs>